Welcome to episode five of season three of the Should Have Acted podcast. On a wet and windy day at Caulfield, Russian Camelot was an emphatic winner of the Underwood, cementing himself as the clear top pick for this year's Cox Plate. Meanwhile at Rose Hill, it was a day to forget for connections of Rothfire, as the gelding was overrun by an impressive Team Hawks combination of North Pacific and eventual winner Ole Kirk in the Golden Rose. Joining me to dissect all of the weekend's racing action, which started on Friday night at Mooney Valley with the running of the Group 1 Moya Stakes, is the Herald Sun's number one tipster, Chris Fenuccio. Big V, there is plenty to talk through uh, over the next half an hour or so. What stood out for you yesterday? Hello, Phil. It was a great day of racing. I always say that each week. But I reckon the the meetings yesterday were a lot better afterwards than it was beforehand. So some great results. I think on a personal note, I think the highlight for me would have been the win of Instant Celebrity. I thought that was a, a great performance. That was the horse that I was really keen on on Saturday and that was just a, a great ride by Craig Williams and it was just an, an excellent performance. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of my highlights as well, mate. I know you had Instant Celebrity as one of your best bets of the day and, gee, it didn't let us down. A, little, a few concerning moments in the run, but once it got into the clear uh, clear dominance there and really really did well and streaked away from the field quite comfortably in the end. We'll talk a bit, of, bit more about her later on, but I'll ask you for your highlight of the weekend because you would have had quite a few because you were tipping winners like they were going out of fashion and you had a one of your horses win on Sunday just to top it all off. Yeah, well, mate, it would have been a tough one for me to find my uh, highlight of the week. I, I was a big fan of Pinion yesterday in the first at Caulfield and got about 7 or $8 about it uh, and was very happy to see it win. But you're right, uh, certainly today seeing one of mine, Offshore's Pearl, get the job done at Kilmore definitely has overtaken all of that with a, a great, great victory there in a, in a, in a race that they're... Credit to the team there at Kilmore too. I believe that was a, a meeting that was put on sort of a, as an additional meeting. And, yeah, Offshore Pearl got the job done and at a good price as well, Big V, which is always good. Yeah, paid a lazy $15. I don't remember getting the tip. Oh, mate, I, I was speaking to you on the Zoom call yesterday. I, I told you you needed to put all our punters club money on it. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe I was, uh, left the room for a minute. I think you were too overwhelmed and too focused on on the task at hand yesterday, Big V, to be worried about my little uh, comments in the, on, from the side. But yeah, no, it's been a big, big few days. Had a really good start at Mooney Valley, actually. Uh, picked a number of uh, winners, including, pleasingly, the return of Mystic Journey to the winning stalls in the last there at Mooney Valley. Yeah, that was a uh, a good win. I mean, I don't know about that the form out of that race going into maybe the Empire Rose. But the first two did have the class on the rest of the field, and I was actually surprised by the price that she paid six fifty. And I'm I'm still trying to work out why Graceful Glamour was the one that they came for. That was well backed into three seventy, and it's run near last horse that I can't really trust. Maybe because it was the Valley and it's a front runner, but I was surprised by um, Graceful Glamour being you know getting a lot of money coming for her. Well, I made the point pre-race of that race that Mystic Journey in that field this time last year, you would you would have got a dollar fifty. I mean, she would have been the hot favourite for that, that type of race. She, I mean, going into a Cox Plate where she ended up running a really game fifth. Uh, so I was very surprised to see $6.57 and uh, definitely took advantage of that big V. So that started me off really well. 
Interpinion yesterday and a few other winners, including uh, Russian Camelot in the Underwood there. Didn't get the price, but that was an impressive win, you'd agree, Big V. Yeah, Russian Camelot was um, ridden by Damien Oliver as if it was the best horse in the race. And, you know, $1.60. I know jockeys don't worry too much about what price their horses are. They just ride it how they're best suited. But that's how you want to see a $1.60 shot being ridden. And there's a couple of really, couple of shorties getting rolled up in Sydney at $1.50. And it was good to see at least one of them in Melbourne get up. That was probably the one you could have been the most confident on yesterday, maybe. But, um, geez, you look at Sydney, those two horses, Rothfire and Mask Crusader, geez, they were really tight at fifty. Yeah, look, um, we got some really short odds yesterday, actually, and I was sort of saying to you pre-podcast that, you know, we're in a, we're in a part of the spring carnival where there's a lot of horses ready to go, and taking a $1.50, $1.60 about a horse can be pretty dangerous uh, at the best of times, but let, let alone, you know, in the middle of a, a very competitive, you know, uh, spring carnival. So, yeah, I do take your point, too, about Damien Oliver's ride. I think it reminded me a little bit of about how uh, Hugh Bowman used to ride Winks, you know, always had her out in position, never got her to enter any trouble and was just supremely confident that she'd get the job done. And I get the get the sense that's how they're treating Russian Camelot, just get it out of trouble and it'll, it'll win no matter where you put it. So, yeah, that's a, that's about as impressive as you, get, as you will get in a race, Big V, and really looks on track for that Cox Plate now. And the punters backed Russian Camelot with a lot of confidence. I was reading that there's about... 80% of the money that was on him in that race. And, I mean, you, you look at it, and he pretty much had that field covered. I mean, Arcadia, came, uh, Arcadia Queen was coming from a different form line, but I'm not getting too carried away with her. I think she was coming out of a, a lower, a very low-rating race. But you look at the Golden Eagle, uh, not the Golden Eagle, sorry, the Golden Rose, and seeing Rothbier come in from $1.85 to $1.50... It was just incredible. I mean, that was a, a strong golden rose field. I mean, I had Rothfire on top, but not at a dollar fifty. Yeah, it was hard to get excited about a dollar fifty about any of the horses yesterday. I, I had Mask Crusader as one of my best for the day too, but I didn't back it in the end because ultimately it's impossible to uh, get you get excited about a dollar fifty, isn't it? You want to see. You want to see the, some black figures before you uh, before you jump on a horse, really, and with any confidence. So, yeah, no, it was uh, plenty of plenty to talk about through the day, uh, Big V. So we might jump straight into our should have backed it's now. Whilst I did have a pretty good day yesterday, they weren't all winners, and the one that really stood out stood out for me as being a disappointing one was uh, Junipal in the last at Caulfield. Uh, I know you were pretty keen on nonconformist as well, but. Gee, it was impressive last start, Junior Pal. In fact, I had it as one of my best when it won uh, previously at Caulfield. And it looked ready to step up again, and it did have the market support. So I got a little bit seduced by nonconformists first up third and jumped off Junior Pal to my detriment in the end because it was probably one of the more impressive wins of the day in the end. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And he's been in great form, this prep. Uh, he was... I can't remember what happened to him on, I think it was Cup Day last year, but he was $3.50 chance and he was well beaten. But he's come back this prep and he's just looked really good and he's got to be a really strong Tourette chance now. 
Yeah, I think so. I think the way the way he won yesterday was the key. I mean, it was not just a on the line win. It was a, you know really dominated the field and put them away early as well, which you like to see. So, yeah, on to bigger and better things. I think for Junipel. Uh, in terms of your should have backed it, where are we looking for you, mate? Yeah, my should have backed it. I'm going to go to Rose Hill in the last, not the last race, race eight, subpoenaed. Mm. And, you know, I'm still bleeding that this horse got beat earlier in the year in a benchmark 78 where it just got <laughs> stuck on the rail from barrier one. You know, it's come out and it's won a, a group two now. And, you know, I think, that, I mean, I was with seasons in that race, but, you know, you look back to start before with subpoena, and that was a big run in the Scirocco coming from, you know, last in the field and was only beaten two lengths. From barrier five, you just got a, a great spot on the map, and it was an excellent ride by Tommy Berry just to have him, you know, midfield and within striking distance. That was a, a strong win. Yeah, as soon as I saw Sapina sort of round up the field in that race, I knew that you would be a little bit disappointed, Big V, because I know you're a fan of the horse and have been bitten by it in the past. But yeah, again, a really dominant win up up there in race eight at Rose Hill and. Uh, again, uh, you know, some decent runs in behind it as well. I thought uh, Positive Peace, for example, probably showed that it's ready to have a really get its teeth into a, another campaign now after having its first two runs of the prep. And, uh, yeah, a couple of disappointments as well. I, I suppose Hawkbury on her in behind ended up finishing seventh after its dominant win previously. Would have been a little bit disappointed for favourite backers. But, yeah, good run by Subpoenaed for sure. Yeah, I'm just wondering with Hawkbury on her whether second up 1400. I mean, there was a bit of talk that she might have been scratched and run next week in the Premier Stakes. She had the wide barrier and I think she pulled a bit as well trying to go to the front. So tough run for her. And Jen Rules also ran well again at the big odds. So that's that's two good runs from her. I think there's not much else to say from that. I thought Adelong 14 was just not its trip and seasons has ended up running last so I'll, i should have a look at the stewards report and see that if something went amiss with her yeah i had a little spec on adelong and funny you mentioned that and gee it hasn't uh done much for me the last couple of starts so just got a watching brief on that horse at the moment but perhaps not the ideal distance as you point yeah. out there big v uh, yeah, yeah just with adelong one last point um because i think in the winter she was running in those benchmark races and i think now in the spring whether you, you try to take that step up against a group class. And I think her races are those 1,100-metre races, but there aren't going to be 1,100-metre group races for mares every week. you just got to go where the group races are. So she's in one of those situations now where she just might be out of her grade unless it's a, an 1,100, 1,200-metre race. Yeah, I think you could be right there, Big V, now. In terms of our should have sacked it for the weekend, I know you actually had a horse that was uh, in the Juniper race, so we might jump there straight away, and non-conformist, who I briefly touched on, but not disappointed with the run, obviously, given it started about a $3 favourite. Yeah, it was, and it was, it was gone a, a long way from home. And the one disappointment that I have as well is I went to the stewards report, and there was no mention of it as well. And I think when you, you got a favourite in the race... And it's well beaten. It's been beaten by six lengths. There's got to be some reference to it. I just didn't rate the win of Junipel from last start. I didn't rate it as highly as I probably should have. And, you know, 
it had a wider barrier than non-conformist, but just got a better position in the run, and I just got it wrong between those two. I should have been on Junipal. Do you think non-conformist didn't handle the ground, or what? What do you think was wrong? Just watching it on first watch. Well, I don't see how it didn't handle the conditions. It's had two wins from two attempts on on the soft before Saturday, so I don't see how the conditions could be a detriment to him. I just, um, well, God, I don't know. There's no excuses. He had the back of Junipel, but just couldn't keep up with him. Well, speaking of horses that couldn't keep up, my should have sacked it for the weekend was uh, in race four at Caulfield, uh, Order of Command. Now, I think we both liked the horse, and but I think first up, 62 kilos, uh, was always going to need that run, and that was confirmed, actually. I was listening on racing.com and the, the mounting yard there, the uh, the pundit mentioned that the horse looked like it just had a little bit of condition on it. So I probably shouldn't have been jumping in at it at around the $2.90 point, knowing that it probably wasn't quite going to be ready to go first up and firing. So I'll be staying with order of command moving forward. But, yeah, probably just should have watched that race yesterday and uh, had a look to see where we might go next time because... Ended up running a, a reasonable third, but just never looked in the race. I think he's a good Flemington horse. I think he's just a victim of his rating now because I think this is his level in terms of his um, his ability. But he's going to be carrying, you know, 61, 62 kilos each time. And unless he goes to a group race where he might be out of his, his class, maybe, it's going to be tough for him. And it was interesting... I, that I noted that Damien Oliver had jumped off him to ride Coruscate and the evidence is in the result. Yeah, look, I think you're being a little bit, little bit harsh on order command there. In the, he did run a nice fifth in the Goodwood from memory, a, a Group 1 race over there in Adelaide, and I, it has been group competitive. So I think once it gets to its sort of peak in its, in its preparation, it can be really competitive at that level. So... I'm willing to forgive it on that run and just be disappointed that I um, got involved with a horse that probably wasn't quite at its peak or ready to go yesterday. So, yeah, look, uh, good point around the jockey too. That can always always be a decent guide when a, an experienced jockey like Damien Oliver jumps off for another horse. You know that there's a reason for that, don't you? So, yeah, a few, few signals there that I missed and I guess that's disappointing, Big V. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Big V, and I think probably one of the key talking points from the meeting itself was the Golden Rose. And look, we've briefly touched on Rothfire, and it does appear the horse has unfortunately fractured one of its bones in one of its legs, which will mean it won't be running this year, including uh, in the Everest where it was one of the favourites. But we did have a few good performances there, and um, you know, there's a few options for these horses moving forward. So. Let's have a bit of a chat about that event with Ole Kirk being the winner. Yeah, I think Ole Kirk was a a good run as well. Um, when you look at the, between the two, Ole Kirk and North Pacific, Ole Kirk did have a, you know, just was blocked for a run in the straight and had to get the gap. I think his run was better than the second horse having that trouble. And I think both of the, I think the top three will now go to the Caulfield Guineas, but you look at the looking at the replays. I mean, I just can't stay off Ollie Kirk. I think, I think he might have the measure of the other two horses. King's Legacy will improve at sixteen hundred. North Pacific was a big run as well, but you look at the trouble that Ollie Kirk had, and he could have 
continue to have in the straight, he's managed to get out and, and still win. So I'll be sticking with Ollie Kirk for the Caulfield Guineas. Yeah, look, it's a good point. And actually, I've followed Ollie Kirk pretty much through its career and backed it on almost every one of its starts. So I did miss it yesterday, unfortunately. But I'm just found with it that it because it is a horse that does get back in its runs, that it can be a bit hit and miss. It does often find trouble and doesn't quite get out when you want it to and often runs a nice second or third but doesn't quite get the job done. Obviously, that's not the case yesterday with a really good win, but I still think it can find trouble. So I'll be looking very closely at the odds you get for it next start because if it's too short, I'm happy to I'm happy to risk it, to be honest. Yeah, and I think it... I mean, you make a good point there. I think a lot of it will come down to barriers as well. I mean, in, in the guineas, if it draws barrier five or six, I mean, I, don't, I can't see it being in the, the back half of the field. It might just be midfield or just worse of midfield. I mean, I could change my mind if you see North Pacific draw about a gate and Ollie Kirk's, you know, in barrier 12 or 13, you know he's going to get back, whereas North Pacific looks like he's a type of horse that can find a spot. But the Caulfield Guinea is going to be a, a great race and having a quick look at the at the market on the TAB, Mawunga is the favourite, but I think that's a false favourite at the moment. I think the Golden Rose form is, is the form to follow for that guineas. What about the Melbourne horses and the ones that went around uh, over the weekend? So we had Glenn Fiddick and Crosshaven go around. Do you, do you think they're in contention or you really are focused on those Sydney horses from the Golden Rose? I think the Sydney horses. I think of the Melbourne horses, I pro, I'll have Glenn Fiddick on top. I think Crosshaven, although it was a nice win at Caulfield, I think he's a, a level below those Sydney horses and Glenn Fiddick. And Tagalora, I'm not too sure about. I mean, he's coming out of a out of a moderate Sir Rupert Clark. I mean, I'm happy to take on Tagalora as well. I, I just can't see any of the Melbourne horses beating the Sydney horses with even luck. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good race no matter what happens there, Big V. A lot of form lines to line up and to work out. But it sounds like you might be sticking with Ole Kirk or perhaps North Pacific based on, on where they might draw in that race. Yeah. North what? Pacific, I'd like to see go to a maybe the Coolmore, but mm. we'll wait and see. I think they're going to go to the to the Guineas. I mean, Ollie Kirk's got his stallion prospect secured, you know, winning the Golden Rose. Now it's up to North Pacific to try and get that Group 1 now. So, I mean, Ollie Kirk winning the Group 1, I don't think will add anything more to his value. So it's just whether, you know, if they want to get a win with North Pacific, you know, is it the Guineas or is it the Coolmore that might be the better option? What about the Everest Big V? There's a slot that has just, has just opened up and there's a few more slots to fill. Any of those horses a chance in that to get a position? Um, Maybe not so. I think, I know yes, 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 won it last year and, and has gone to start, but I think he... I'm not so sure. I think the, the Hawks stable might try to look for Group 1s and maybe the Connections as well, look for, you know, official Group 1s to go next to the name. I mean, if you were the, the slot holder for Rothfire, you'd be really disappointed because you've gone from having a horse that could win the race and now you've got to find a horse now that is probably fighting to run, you know, third, fourth or even top six because I think the, the winner of the Everest has already been selected. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to your seedings for the Everest uh, in a little moment, Big V. But one thing I wanted to touch on, we, uh, Big V, we mentioned it before. Yesterday we were in this weird position where we had a number of very short price favourites. Uh, we had obviously, as mentioned, Mask Crusader, Rothfire and Russian Camelot, just to name a couple. Uh, what do you do in those races, Big V? If you've got a horse at $1.50, $1.60, it's very hard for the, for the regular punter to have a bet on that horse. You're not going to be winning much. You're really just watching your money go around. Oh, we also had Love Tap as well, uh, who won comprehensively on the day. So, I mean, what do you do in those races generally, Big V, to make sure you can extract value? Or is it just a watch for you? Uh, for me, it's pretty much a watch. Unless you're really confident, you can have multis and all that sort of thing. But, I mean, if you had done some multis yesterday, you, I mean, if you've got four horses that are all under $2, do you multi all four? You know, do you multi, you know, two or three of them? Then, then you don't multi the right ones. You you seem to multi the wrong ones. So, <laughs> uh, for me, I don't like doing too many multis. I try and steer clear of them because I think you can find some good three dollar fifty, four dollar winners. I mean, instant celebrity got out to three dollars yesterday. I mean, that's a great price and. I like Crosshaven as well. You're getting five fifty for him, so you can find some decent winners if you if you do look for them. I was actually on Love Tap, but I did back him on the Friday, and that was before the second favourite was scratched from the race. So that's why you got a dollar eighty, dollar seventy for Love Tap. I was on it at about two thirty, two forty, and when the second favourite was was scratched on Saturday morning, you just you just cop it, you know, one less horse you have to beat. And it was probably, for me, it just enhanced my confidence that that horse was going to win. You're spot on about multis, Big V. There's nothing worse than picking four horses in a multi and winning three of them and, and one of them going down. And you, you, you've done your whole multi, even though you've picked three winners. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. But I, I tell you what, Big V, tell you what you're getting. You're getting a bit of a following on our Twitter handle. That should have backed it. The Big V Multi, it's called, or Big V Double. So uh, the last two weeks, both of your best bets on our Twitter handle have got up, and I know a lot of people are taking the time now to multi them up, and it's been a success, Big V. So keep those coming. doesn't matter how short they are. If you put them together, you're always getting a price. So that's one time that you can get involved in a multi, the Big V Double on the Twitter handle yeah, without, there. Without trying to blow my own horn, which I don't like oh, to mate, do. You'll be, have, you're very comfortable in that space. What are you talking about, Big V? I have, I have tipped all right this weekend at the Valley. It didn't look too good to begin with, but I ended up with four out of the eight and at Caulfield, five out of the nine. So, yeah, not too bad. I'm happy with uh, how I'm seeing them. What I want to know, though, Big V, is how were you seeing them on Friday night at the Valley? We had the Moya Stakes and I was mentioning to you previously that that was one of the harder group ones that I've ever had to pick just about. It was basically $5 a field, and I could make a case for every single horse but a bar about one in that, and really good win from Pippi, but a really a bunch of good runs in behind Pippi as well. So plenty to take out of that race. What did you make of it? Did you have a bet? No, not in this race. I thought this was a real tough race. I just wanted to watch it, enjoy it. And this was one of the races that I got wrong on the Friday night, I was with Fabergino. I just thought, you know, she, she can jump and lead and be suited by the Valley track. But she just didn't have that gate speed on Friday night, so she was a bit disappointing. Um, yeah, just think maybe jury out a little bit with her now. I 
just didn't think that was a great run by her. I kept Pippi in my top four. I just thought I had a look at the jump out and it was not too bad. She goes well fresh, but yeah, just yeah, a thousand meters. I just think maybe if she steps up in distance, she is a risk at the twelve hundred. So I don't know about her as an Everest prospect. You know, trekking might be the one because I think trekking will be better over twelve hundred. I see out of this field, I see maybe trekking being the one going towards an Everest, but. When you look at the, the quality of this race, it wasn't a, a vintage Group 1, and I think the Manicato might be pretty much the same. I mean, most of these horses you think will be going towards the Manicato. Yeah, look, I, I agree with that. Probably not a vintage version, but a really competitive version, which I, I guess is a is a good thing. But plenty of horses to follow, as you mentioned, trekking there. I think Vala Vala put in another good run. Diamond Effort, I thought, did well after being yeah. checked on the turn there. So plenty of horses you can follow out of that race. And to your point around Pippi, you know when you back Pippi, you back it first up and then forget about it. And then if it happens to win later, so be it. But it is an absolute speed demon first up. And hearing the trainer speak after the race, very this was very much the grand final for the horse. And I wouldn't be probably jumping on it because you'll probably get a, a short price second and third up. But... Every time, first up, have a go on it because it's won the Oakley Plate. Now it's backed that up with another Group 1 in the Moya here and it, it clearly just flies first up. So yeah. that's how I'd be playing Pippi moving forward. Yeah, and Bold Star was a big run from back in the field and Bella Bella was on the rail, which wasn't the spot you wanted to be. So, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of good runs. I mean, that's, that's the, the problem sometimes with these Valley Sprint races. It's just the luck in running and, you know, you go to the Manicato Stakes and barriers and where you're going to be in the run is just going to be so crucial. Absolutely. Now, Big V, now for the moment all our listeners have been waiting for, on the edge of their seats to hear about which horses you're on for the four big ones this this spring, the Everest, Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate and Melbourne Cup. You've been giving us your, your seedings each week, the one, the horse that you have on top. So I'll go through them all again quickly and you can let us know if you've changed your views over the week. So in the Everest, we had Nature Strip. You've had been with Nature Strip the first two weeks. Uh, given Rothfire's come out, I can't imagine you've changed that for you, Big V. No, I'll keep with Nature Strip on top, but, geez, after what happened in the barrier trial with him, you've got to be a little bit nervous now because... He's got to do another trial on Monday and then run on the Saturday. So he's uh, he's just hanging in there. But, <laughs> you know, don't be surprised if that changes after next Saturday because I don't think there's going to be a lot of depth to this Everest race. And you look at horses like Classique Legend and Geetra, I mean, they just look good each way chances. Yeah, I think a lot for me will come down to the price at the end of the day. But I personally am very very much in the nature strip camp. I think you can forgive it first up. And, yeah, look, it had a little issue there with its trial on the weekend uh, during the week. But um, I'm definitely still a, a fan of the horse as well. Now, the Caulfield Cup, you changed yours, your selection last week to Anthony Van Dyke. Any reason to change that? No, no reason at the moment. I'll still stick with Anthony Van Dyke. And he's actually firmed up a little bit as well. He's now $11. Oh, the big V factor. Everyone's on it. They've heard yeah, about Tipster. I won't take too much credit for that, but <laughs> that's another market that looks like it will change next week. We'll see Very Elegant and Master of Wine running in the Turnbull, I think. I think the, the issue with Very Elegant is the if it runs on a firm track, I don't think she goes as well 
on firm tracks and Caulfield can get very firm under the sun. Yeah, I think very elegant on a on a you know a track with give, soft and heavy. You're just about back it in any race, but yeah, as yeah. you say, as the tracks improve, probably look to other horses. I guess another horse in that category two is Master of Wine. I know it likes a bit of cut out of the ground, but probably not to the same extent of very elegant. So that. Turnbull Stakes is going to be huge and really will dictate the market for the Caulfield Cup, as you say. Uh, one horse that did come in sharply following its win on the weekend for the Cox Plate was Russian Camelot, and that's the horse you've had on top. So I'd be surprised if uh, you've changed that view. No, I'll stick with Russian Camelot. I can't see a local beating him. It's just up to the internationals. But I have been given a very big tip on, I think it's the Japanese horse, Aspeta, if that's how it's pronounced. If it's pronounced the Italian way, Aspetta, we'll stick with that maybe. It, it means weight in Italian, but not weight like you'd carry at the gym, but, you know, more, you know, weight hold on. So I've been given a good a good push for the Japanese horse. Look, I'll give you the hot tip, Big V. It sounded a lot better when you said it with the Italian accent. So we'll, we'll run with that pronunciation, I think. Uh, and thanks for the little uh, language lesson as well. That was very helpful. Now, mate, Melbourne Cup, that's the one you've ping-ponged around on a bit. So you had Surprise Baby early. And uh, I saw that it actually has firmed now to $8.50. And then last week you went with Santiago. So I actually noticed Russian Camelot's the new favourite for the Melbourne Cup. But have you uh, changed your view there or happy to stick with Santiago? I'll stick with Santiago because I'm not 100% that Russian Camelot will go to the Melbourne Cup. I mean, if it wins the Cox Plate, what you know, what benefit are they going to get running to a Melbourne Cup? I think if it wins the Cox Plate, you know, they might start looking at international options next year. I don't think winning a Melbourne Cup will do anything for his value. I think they'll be trying to look for a, a Group 1 Enormous a Northern Hemisphere Group One. Yeah, definitely a bit to play out there, and you know it's already had two runs in its prep. We'll probably had two more before the Melbourne Cup, so it would be whether they want to go to that race and really put the horse under a lot of pressure, I guess. But if you've got a horse like Russian Camelot, maybe you want to do that. Now, Big V, we've talked through a number of the good runs over the weekend, but we might just go through our horses to follow for the week. I'll start with mine. So, the aforementioned Love Tap, I think now proven itself in the city and proven itself in very stylish manner. So I think that's a horse you can stick with. I'm not sure what price you'll get moving forward, though, because uh, it started, as you say, $1.70 yesterday, and it won like a $1.70 chance as well. So we'll, we'll see where it goes and, and what price we get. Another horse that I really like is that I Am Superman, who's uh, went down to Melbourne, won convincingly at, in Melbourne at Caulfield, I believe, and then has gone back up there to Sydney yesterday and, and, and won convincingly again. So I think that's a horse you can trust and, and, and stick with moving forward. Another one is a, a horse we mentioned previously as well, Positive Peace. I think now third up, ready to go next start. Uh, we'll see where it lands, but ran a really nice fourth yesterday uh, in behind subpoenaed there. And I think based on its last campaign, can string a few together as well once it gets going. So I'd be keeping an eye on, on Positive Peace. Uh, now, Big V, what, what, what are you thinking moving forward? I know you really like Cherry Tortoni after its uh, close-up second there at Mooney Valley. Yeah, I think Cherry Tortoni looks a good chance come to Derby. Might meet Love Tap there as well. So those, uh, that's going to be a good contest. Instant Celebrity, we mentioned at the start of the, the program, I just can't see it 
not winning the thousand guineas. I think if a Sydney horse comes down, that will change things, but very unlikely a week after the flight stakes. I think the, the top two in the Golden Rose, Ollie Kirk, North Pacific, you know, I think one of those two will win the Caulfield Guineas if they draw well. And I think trekking, not so much with the Everest, I think if if trekking doesn't go to the Everest and goes to the Manicato, I think he will be better suited at 1,200. Yes, and I agree with you on positive piece as well. That was a, a great run. And if you happen to get a wet track like you might do in mid-October in Sydney, that will just be an extra bonus. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was actually surprised the track was, a, I think it was a good three yesterday. I think, I'm being down in Melbourne, seeing the rain, I just assumed it was raining everywhere. But yeah, nice firm track up there. So as you say, with a bit of cut out of the ground, it'll it'll go well moving forward, I'd say. And I should mention also uh, Pinion. Uh, I, I, I usually say that a bit jokingly, but I actually do think this horse has the ability to be a really, uh, to win a good race. It's um, taken a little bit to get going. You can see it's had some issues, but it has a burst of speed which, when let out and given clear running, is really impressive and has to be seen to be believed. So I think after its win in that benchmark 90 yesterday, you might find it in a better race. And I'm happy to take it at $10 or whatever you'll get on the day because I think given the right run, it can it can really uh, challenge some of the better horses around. Yeah, that was a good run. I couldn't have it jumping from a benchmark 70 to 90, but it was a... You know, a win's a win, and I think it's a um, his manners seem to have been improved since a couple of starts ago. Where was it? Sandown, I was think. Sandown, Sandown, yeah. and then Flemington as well. Some hard luck, hard luck stories. Well, I couldn't keep up with him at Sandown. It uh, it was about eight lengths last in running, and absolutely stormed home. It looked like it was on like a travelator or something, and came and finished a nice close up fourth. Then went to Flemington, uh, ran a really good race down the straight, ran second, but they gapped third, the two on that occasion, in a benchmark 84. Went back to Cranbourne in that benchmark 70 and, and won pretty easily and then, yeah, got the job done again yesterday. So I think it's uh, one that you can uh, keep an eye on. I have to ask if we're having a sports segment this week. There's no AFL, NRL, just <laughs> every team's resting players, but I have noticed in the EPL that Three out of the four away teams got up overnight. Gee, you're not going to let me get out of this one, are you, Big V? I'm going to have to stop making big outlandish claims. Now, you know what I'm blaming? I'm blaming the fixture and I'm blaming the lack of crowds, Big V. That's what I'm putting this down to. So the fixture has, hasn't had any blockbuster games yet. It's a lot of, you know, relegation-bound teams against... Uh, you know, top four, top six teams, and that does sort of skew those results a little bit. But also, no crowds. I don't. I think that's really having an impact on the results at the moment. Uh, you know, that 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 support that they get in the home team in the EPL obviously is a bigger factor than I uh, had given it credit. But we'll let that settle, Big V. And thanks for reminding me of my uh, my efforts there. But Big V, I've got one for you, actually, mate. We actually had a question come through specifically for you, and I'm very keen to address it because it is one people stop me on the street. They say, Big V, deductions. All he does is talk about deductions. So explain this to me. Anyway, I've had a question come in from a gentleman named Gary, and he, he had a question for you. He says, actually, he says, I have a question for you, Big V. You often rant about deductions on horses that you've backed, and no one can disagree with that, Big V. It's one of your pet hates. 
given that punters who have their horse scratched deserve a refund, I think we agree with that, Big V, what solution would you have for this issue with bookmakers and, and bet, betting agencies moving forward? Well, I just think the simple thing is if a horse, if a horse's price is, let's just say, $4 and there's a scratching and the new price is three eighty, you should get that three eighty price. A lot of times you're getting inferior price. The deduction is you're getting uh, maybe three seventy, three sixty instead. I think that's just fair. And also a lot of the times you see the price comes in, you know, four dollars to three eighty, half an hour later it goes back out to four dollars. I mean yeah, I mean I, it's not gonna happen, but I think if the price changes back, you know, an hour later, back to that four dollar price, the punter shouldn't get the deduction. Okay, so you think that the the agency should just take a little clip on the deductions and uh, just get rid of a little bit of their percentage and give it back to the punter in that regard? Well, I think at the very least, whatever price it gets changed, that should be the the price the punter gets. So the new price that they put up after the deduction or after the scratching, at the very minimum, that should be your new price. But you're always getting, in most instances just that little bit less so i know it's only we're only talking about a few cents but i think it's the principle of it yeah and i think that's fair big v i'm not really sure about the, the nuances of how the the, fight, the prices are formed post uh, scratchings etc but yeah you, you should expect to at least get that price that's been given so i'll I'm sure Gary will be very happy to hear that there's a solution out there because it is something that people often discuss with me, Big V, what your uh, what your solution is around that. So I'm glad the question was posed uh, as part of the podcast there. We actually have a bit of a... Yes, but the second half of my answer is never going to happen. I mean, I think the <laughs> mathematics around that's impossible, but it is frustrating when a horse comes in after a scratching and then it goes back out again to that original price, you know, an hour later... It's just, you just want to tear your hair out, but that's just, that's punting. That's right, mate. Well, uh, that's uh, all we've got time for for this week's episode of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. Big V, it's been great catching up again, and we did catch up again on a Zoom chat yesterday for the races, and uh, it sounds like with some announcements made today that we might be able to watch the races together a bit sooner than we had thought, perhaps even by Cox Plate Day. So that'll be exciting, mate, and it happens to be grand final day for the AFL this year as well. So looking forward to that happening, mate. Yeah, it's a slow, slow process down here in Melbourne, but I think as long as we can get maybe Stakes Day, yeah, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you to all our listeners, as per usual. Please do connect with us on the Twitter handle, at Should Have Backed It. As I said, Big V is on absolute fire at the moment, and the Big V multi is, uh, is, is going crazy. So, yep, check that out, and um, please interact as you can. And I should just point out, Big V did mention that we had a good winner, the George Osh Racing Team, Oshaw's Pearl, today at Kilmore. So congrats to Stav and the team for uh, pulling that off because it was a, yeah, a great way to end my Sunday, and particularly... Given we're in lockdown, there's not much else to do at the moment. It was great to uh, get on the couch and watch that come through. So congratulations to Stav and the team. And to everyone else, uh, best of luck, and we'll uh, catch you all next week. And as always, good luck on the punt.